Hi guys, welcome to Rayon Challenge the Future podcast powered by Binance, trusted by over 90 million users in over 180 countries and regions worldwide. The Binance platform is dedicated to increasing the freedom of money for you. Cryptocurrency is unregulated in the UK. The value of your investments can go down as well as up. Profits may be subject to capital gains tax. And as you know by now, we do not offer any financial advice on this show. And today we are joined by Isabel uh, Pershon, partner and head of investment at Expert Dojo. Isabel, how are you? Very good, thank you. And happy to be here and be on this uh, podcast with you and have a little chat. Well, it's it's great to see you again. Um, Obviously, I want to jump into it. You guys are absolutely rocking it this year. Um, So just to give our audience just some insight, what exactly is it that Expert Dojo is working on right now? I mean, I got to say, what are we not working on? Because I feel like we're we're everywhere at the, at the same time. But so what we are, we are a um, an accelerator, if you like, but um, even more so we're growth hackers. So what we do is that we look at companies across the globe and we have our heart is really in the emerging markets. So we just onboarded a new cohort of companies that we have invested in. Out of the 23 companies, I believe 14 are based in um, in Africa. Um, so uh, we started investing in 2019 and we've done around 230 deals since then. And this year uh, only we've done 130. So we're staying busy with a small team uh, of around 12 people. So next year we're going to go for 200 plus new deals so it's it's exciting times around expert dojo how's that how's that even like possible that is a lot of investments to make we've got sharp elbows i I think that's that's what you got to say um but you know we really know that we're on to something here and we see how that our secret sauce really works so you know when we started investing 2019, honestly, we had to to hunt for companies that kind of wanted our money uh, because at that time there was also so many, there was so much money out there. And, and, and in comparison to today, founders could really way more, you know, pick and choose a little bit um, who, who investors do I want in my company. Now, since we didn't have a track record at that time, um, cause we were brand new on the market. It was more tricky for us to, to, uh, to really get our message through to founders to, and to show what, what we want, how we want to come in. Um, so we're investing, um, a hundred thousand dollars and then as a first check, and then we do a million in a follow on, uh, investment. So all the companies that we bring in the, to the portfolio and take through our growth hacking program, um, they get the investment prior to to entering the um, the training. Uh, um, I was going to actually ask more about the um, the hundred thousand dollar investment. Like, mm-hmm. what, what percentage is that for? Or does it not so that... depend on the? Yes, for the hundred thousand, it's seven percent, and we're always doing safe notes. Okay, and 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 in terms of the founders, like how do you go about actually deciding which companies you want to invest in? Because I imagine you must do quite a lot of due diligence. But you oh, yeah. also got right. So so how long does it take for you to to from the time you meet a founder to making that initial investment? And what how do you make the decision? 
You know, sometimes it's longer and sometimes it's quicker. We can we can turn around in a day if we want to, and we have done it several times. Um, yes, so we can be very quick, and but it's always you know it's always about the timing when you're seeing a deal, um, and it's like not a year from now or something like that. It could be like as little as come back to us two months from now or three months from now, more likely, and just show because this maybe this or that area is the one thing that we are unsure of. And that is also kind of a deal breaker for us. So if you come back to us three months from now, this is what we recommend you to do. If you go away, execute on it and show that it's that you managed to do this, then we're very much likely to to invest in you, you know, down the road or at that point, three months later. Um, and sometimes we make an investment after just a couple of calls. So um, it's it's all depending on on the founder, on the uh, on this you know where the company is at uh, at the very time that we meet them. And are they companies that have just got an idea? Like, would you ever invest in a company that hasn't actually built a product, or do all of them currently have a product? Yeah, they have a product. Um, we are most of the companies that we're looking at are in revenue but very early revenue so maybe just a couple of thousand uh, mrr i would say maybe 15 to 75k monthly recurring revenue that is where most of the companies will be in but again we are and that's what i really like about expert dojo and who we are we are always winging it you know if if we if we feel very if we get a strong feeling that okay we believe in this company but it's not really the typical deal that we will do or they're not in revenue or something like that we'll do it because we have the flexibility of doing so and that is also one of the reasons you know why I chose to join Expert Dojo over other funds because I, I've always been a pro joining small organizations over the corporate sides uh, because I want to be able to, to change from within. And that is really something that I've been able to do since joining um, Expert Dojo. And that's only three years ago. So what's the difference, would you say? Like, I mean, in, in terms of expert dojo like the company culture the people like you say getting into a younger company it is from again from experience it's so much more exciting right when you go into like these big organizations you're a cog in the wheel you can't have any impact but just based on the numbers alone on your growth on the position you hold I would assume that actually you've been able to make a huge impact yeah, of course. And it's like, and it's, it's every day. And we're, you know, I started out at one position and then we got up to investor relations and then head of investment and now a partner uh, for the past year and a half. And it's just like, you know, even if I take care of all of our uh, companies that we have invested in on the strategy side and all of that, even more so looking at, you know, what are our next steps within Expert Jojo? How are we building our journey from here? And a lot on the business development side, um, you know, also being uh, a young female um, Swedish girl who actually didn't have VC experience from before coming in um, and, and taking kind of 
you know, a big part of Thank the of the organization. Thank and you this, yeah, you don't have yeah. to be humble. You don't have to, you know, you smash it basically. I mean, I I, I like to um, I like to live my life in the fast lane, I guess. Well, do you know, I, I I think from the VC world, and I get asked about this all the time about, hey, can you make introductions to the VC world? I want to work in the VC world, and they're normally um, graduates from like top universities, and they've got all this book knowledge, which is great. But I feel that like the VCs, they've got the business acumen, but they've almost, they've almost got this like almost like this like roughness about them where it's like let's just get on with it let's just make this happen you know we go out there we roll up our sleeves like you said sharp elbows and you know they're just going out they go let's just find the best deals and let's just get in ahead of the competition no totally and I mean I think that our um, the investments that we make it really reflects also the team behind Expertojo, or, or maybe it's the opposite the uh the team is reflected in the investments that we're that we choose to do because we do our our portfolio like the diversity we probably have 75 80 percent minority founders in our portfolio and we have a very high number of female founders um this current cohort that we are in right now we have 50 50 50 female and uh, male founders so and it's just you know, we're not here. Our thesis has never been like, let's do social and, you know, social impacting investment. It's just that as going back to when we started investing in, in 2019, we, we, we started looking around, started to source deals. And what we were seeing is that, well, there is a lot of competition around the companies in, in Silicon Valley go figure right yeah, yeah, and exactly. and um, and the valuations are super high um so we just uh, you know started looking around a little bit more and honestly uh jumped into to Africa and and made a deal over there um and what we were re realizing after making this deal that there's so many great founders around you know in that area and other um Women emerging markets. and it's like way stronger companies than the companies that we've been looking at over here but for like a third of the valuation why? so it's like why is that why are you seeing because again so one of my best friends mm -hmm. he built his whole career on like building companies in africa and I, I don't just mean like one part of africa i mean right now he's in gabon Last week he was in Angola. Um, you know, I think the week before he was in South Africa. I can't even remember. But he's building he's building companies throughout Africa, and we definitely ourselves, Rayon, we're definitely having far more interaction with founders in Africa now than we were say two years ago. Like, what is it about them? Is is it there? Is it just the opportunity? Is it the investment? Or I think that there are so many. I think that there are so many things. Honestly, just going back to you know, um, coming from the Ivy League schools or anything like that, we actually have a very low um, presence of Ivy League school founders. Even though you know we don't say no to anyone, we do have them, of course, and we and we love those companies because we've seen something really extraordinary in those founders and the companies that they've been building. But I think that there is a lot of grit in, in Africa. It's like 
many of our, our founders have not been brought up you know with his with a silver spoon in their mm-hmm. mouth we have one guy that we invested in he actually was the first first person going to uh to college um who's now based uh based over in in the u.s um um first person in the family going to to college and uh but he, he didn't have a a home at the time he lived in his car um but he's you know one of our very interesting companies uh, that has been so uh, fun to follow, you know, over the past couple of years. Um, but there is a lot of grit um, because you're not brought up like many other founders are. Number two, why is, why is a lot of things happening in Africa right now? Well, there's a, they've been very much behind on the technology side, which is something that they're now catching up on and very, very quickly. Same thing with the infrastructure. Thirdly, I would say that, you know, why why is the why is the valuation and everything, you know, cheaper over there? Obviously, because if supply and demand, if the demand is not there, which it hasn't been uh on the investor side, then that's what's happening. But it, I mean, and it is let, let's you know call it what it is, it's cheaper labor out there, right? If all of yeah. a sudden you you know i was reading this really interesting article that was saying that if you essentially become a software engineer in south africa automatically you jump into the middle classes you can all of a sudden you can buy a car you can afford a home and i think from a lot of the companies that we work with and we're partnered with we're seeing huge investment and huge focus um on actually just creating like schools educational facilities um and i think even more importantly jobs um, all across all of Africa so that, that's a really cool thing for you to actually be involved in and I have to say that one of the things we're, we're launching next year is our Rayon Architects podcast and we're going to be focusing on the emerging economies and giving these founders an opportunity to jump onto the podcast and actually really like talk about what it is they're building and why um, but yeah I mean the, the amount of investment that's going on out there right now it's, it's incredibly exciting um, but again I have to ask and I ask everyone this you know very few people respectfully, or maybe more now, grow up saying, I want to be a VC. I want to work in this world. At what point did you say, actually, this is for me, this is something I want to do? And was there a jump or was it something whereby you just naturally fell into? Oh, it was a huge jump. And honestly, I haven't, uh, until this day, I've never expressed those words. I, you know, I I jump. It was a it was a white horse that walked up to me, and I was like, Shh. you know, I don't know where this horse is going to take me. Um, but either you jump on it or you just stay where you are. And I jumped on it. Um, or, or I actually forced myself on it. If I'm going to be <laughs> super honest, so I moved. Um, I I moved from Sweden four years ago. I ran a real estate company over there that I actually sold just two weeks ago. Um, so I've been keeping it um, up until now. Um, so yeah, I was I was in real estate. I, I have a degree in real estate science. No one knows what that really means, but um, <laughs> that's me. Um, so I did that for, for a number of years and uh, that was a, a successful business. But then I decided, you know, California is a little bit more, you know, there's there's stuff to explore there. So I came over here, still didn't know that I was going to end up in uh, in VC. But honestly, 
I met with our uh, founder and CEO, Brian McMahon, and I had a conversation with him and I was like, wow, I really like, you know, I like this. And it's just like, it's a startup itself. And I really want to be part of this. Now, I obviously didn't know anything about VC, didn't know nothing. Uh, but I was like, you know what? I, I want to join you. It's like, Mr. Brian's looking at me and it's like, you know, Isabel, sh yeah, but you have no experience. I was like, I, I know, but I learn quickly. It's like, yeah, but you still don't know anything. But you know what? I'm going to show you. I'll work for free. And then, um, for free. Just like, what? Yeah. That's what I said. I'll, I'll work for free. And in my head, of course, I had a plan. So I, in my mind, I was telling myself, I'll give this a month. And if I don't, you know, make progress um, within that month, then I'm going to start looking at, you know, other, other options. So what's out there. Um, it took his, it took him four days to understand. Okay. I need you. So that's um, <laughs> that's how we all got started. And that's my jump of getting into VC. So honestly, never have, I never planned for this. I never did. Awesome. Um, but it's like, it's the best jump and it's the best horse ride I've ever taken. You know what, that is, it's so interesting as well. So obviously as a startup, um, like when we first started, I had another business funding Rayon and or the early stages, should we say, of Rayon. And I went out there, hired all these consultants, paid them thousands every month, too many thousands, um, and they couldn't execute on anything. You know, they were smart people, but they couldn't actually like really execute. And I said to um, Emma at the time, I was like, do you know what? No more. No more of these consultants. No more people that talk a good game but can't actually get things done. And we ended up going out to the universities like University College London, uh, like Imperial College at London, um, and um, found some students, Jan being one of them. And he had he took the same attitude and he was just like, look, you know, I've I have I've never built a tech startup before. Sorry, apologies, he had built a tech startup before or he'd worked in one, but he was really smart, like like ridiculously off the scale. I actually, I, I I don't believe that there's any problem that can be solved that he can't solve given enough amount of time. And I gave him a project to do. At first I was like, well, I knew we'd work together, but I wasn't sure. A few months passed and he was like, look, just, I want to get involved with this. And I said, you know what? Let me give you a project. Let's just see how you do. And I want you to tell me how we should design the web, like the website, the web app, everything that we've made mistakes on, you tell me. And he went away and he put together a document. I kid you not, it was about 178 pages. And it was thorough. And it was like, he understood everything. He'd taken the time to really analyze it. And I was like, right, I have to work with this guy. Same sort of thing. And, you know, actually just last week, he became a director in the company. You know, he's he's one of the biggest shareholders. He's He's a director. We've had the company valued uh, well, you can imagine, like, there's a difference. There's a UK valuation, then there's a US Silicon Valley valuation. Um, yes. You can imagine which one I prefer. But there is something to be said for people. And I don't think that exists anymore, where people go, do you know what? Just give me the chance, and I'll just go out there, and I'll just prove it to you. Another kid we had approached us, um, even, in the summer, he was like, look, 
I just want work experience. I don't care. I'm not looking for pay. Just give me a chance. And again, like within like a month of him being here, I was like, do you want to drop out of university? Do you really need to finish your degree? And obviously I was being slightly facetious, but as soon as he leaves university, he's got a job. But you know what? This is also something that I've um, that I've really seen uh, since I moved over from from Europe. I mean, both you and I are Europeans, um, and we we were brought up in in a specific way, and like the job culture is different than it is um, than it is over here. Now, what I do like about uh, the American version of it is that I feel like more employers in the states are open to just show me show me what you got if you can if you prove that you're the right guy for the job then i'm willing to give you to give you a shot um i have not really seen that as much or at all in in europe it's more like what do you have on paper and that's the only thing i care about yeah, and there, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't want to say there's more of an elitist attitude, but yeah, I know it's far more. When I when I left university, I interviewed at uh, Deutsche Bank, and it was like one of the really early interviews. This is like before um, the world of woke, and it was way before the world of like political correctness. Um, so I'm showing my age, but um, the woman in the interview actually asked me, she said, respectfully, are you a genius? And I was like, <laughs> I'm smart enough not to answer that question. And um and then she said, you know, who do you know here? And I was like, no one. And she was like, you know, I'm not sure if this is for you. And I'm sure there could have been a million other reasons. And it might have just been like one unfair employee. I'm not I'm not criticizing the company because I think they're a great company um, in many ways. Um, but it was just it's just a different mindset. Whereas I work for a company that are based not far from you, actually in Woodside, California. Um, it, so it's like Silicon Valley. Yeah, well, just outside of Silicon Valley or no, it's Silicon Valley area. But um, their attitude was, look, get in the door. We'll give you a shot. And one of the people that I actually introduced to the company when I first started, 14 years later, he's there now. He didn't have any, like, real experience, no major experience. And he's, like, one of their, like, top earners. He's killing it there. So, do you know what I mean? And, and that is the American culture. It's the American way. And I think it's a very interesting... I mean, obviously, it doesn't go for, for every employer and for every organization, but I think it's a very, very interesting way of building a company. And I think that is more or less um, a winning concept um, a lot of the times. And I'm slightly pivoting somewhat, but in terms of passions, is this your passion? Are there and is there a balance? Is there other stuff that you're uh, that you, you you feel as strongly and love as much? Or is this really it for you? I think I found my my passion work-wise. Honestly, I, I do think that I'm going to continue to work with startups and investments for a long time um, because that was, you know, when I was in real estate, that was a successful career, but deep within, I didn't really feel the passion for it, which was also why I chose to, you know, take the risk and, and leave and, you know, moving over to another continent without without the plan really or with no plan uh, at all but since joining you know this journey it's like that's what keeps you going and it's like even if you're working you know like we were talking about earlier and I know that you guys are working crazy crazy as well it's because you know that you're on to something and you're on your 
passion track. So yes, this is uh, this is where I'm gonna stay. Yeah, and I I think that you almost become immune. I'm oh, sorry, if you're really passionate about it, you become immune to failure. And oh, yeah. I think in the respectful way, I think that Hollywood has really romanticized what it is to like obtain success or build a startup or, you know, it's, it can be hell at times, right? But it's, I think that if you are truly passionate about it and you've got a team that are just as passionate, then you just can't, it doesn't feel that bad. I, I said to Jan the other day, we had a crisis that I've mentioned to you and, um, I said to Jan, I was like, I was like, how do you feel about it? And he was like, it is what it is. Like, I'm here, I'm kind of used to it by now. I think, yeah, it's like at a point, I don't even think about it anymore because it's just, it's your life. It's what you do. And it's like, yeah, sure. It's it's a Saturday, it's Sundays. You know, it's just, um, it's who you are. Um, and hopefully, you know, it's gonna, you're helping, you're helping a lot of other um people along the way and and one day is hopefully gonna you know give a give a nice return um to us as well oh yeah yeah I, I think that has to that has to be part of it oh for sure or the or a, a big part of it but I think that having a purpose where it just goes well beyond the realms of just making money I think actually and I, I I've started documenting some of the stuff that we've done I think that actually one of the worst reasons for building a company is probably to make money um because you know this i actually met with someone recently and I, and I and he was he runs a company and all he cared about was how much this can be valued at how much it's worth and i thought you know you're gonna get crushed because there's someone out there that is going to be completely passionate about actually the problem they're going to care more they're going to yeah. find a solution they're going to work the hours that you don't want to work because they're doing it for something that goes way beyond the realms of some imaginary exit in 5 10 15 years from now and i think largely with what we're doing you know we certainly like fall into that bracket but in terms of in terms of like um founders again something i ask uh, fairly commonly on the, on this show pitch decks because we get asked about it a lot you must get hundreds if not thousands of pitch decks i've read about you guys online you've got like phenomenal reviews you've got a brilliant reputation which means that founders are just throwing stuff at you plus you're making hundreds of investments all the time you must get, receive a lot of pitch decks how do you decipher or how do you separate the good pitch decks from the bad pitch decks i mean honestly we're not we're not we're, we're getting a lot of pitch decks but we are more of the conversation uh, kind of people. We're, we prefer just um, chatting. And so it's like, we don't, don't even bring up the, uh, the pitch deck, the first thing you'll do uh, in a meeting. We just, we want to see, we want to talk through. We care more about how you do things and not really what you do. Obvious, and but we don't care if it's a bad pitch deck. We care about is this a good company or is it not a, a good company? Because the pitch decks, we are experts at pitch decks, so we're gonna we're gonna build those together with you as a founder. So that's like all part of the of the growth program. So if we're spending a little bit more time on like the value add um, of being a an a expert dojo company, like. Most of the companies do not come to us for the check, honestly. We have a lot of founders coming to us saying, what is the smallest check that you can write us? 
we just want to take part. We've heard so many phenomenal things about your growth program. So since we've done this now for, for a number of years, I feel pretty comfortable, uh, confident saying that um, we built out one of the absolute strongest um, growth programs for early stage founders that are out there. And this is now really proving itself out because we have, uh, I don't even know when we when we lost a deal, when we tried to get a, a deal in last time and, and we didn't get them if we really wanted them. Because, you know, the founders are coming to us. We have a lot of inbound and we're having founders coming to us because they've heard from other founders taking part of the program saying that this is really what was life-changing for my company that's when I met expert dojo and like looking at this cohort that we brought on last week we actually have two uh previous unicorn founders uh that have come to us and said I can raise money from a number of places but when I started my own my previous company the one thing that I had a very big problem with was the growth. And so, and so do, you know, all of the early stage founders, but this is something I really struggled with. And I think that you will be key in this new company for me to get past that stage uh, much quicker. So, so that, that is something that Perfect. we're very, very proud of um and to to be able to support that value add to to all of these founders it's, it's a nice reputation for you guys to have and, and it's actually reassuring because um i think i've mentioned this before i'm horrendous at pitch decks i don't quite get them i'm not sure how much detail to go into whether it's too much too little so now it's just very much a case we've got our pitch deck on our website if anyone wants to read it go ahead but uh yeah it's not a recommendation for sure i, I i'm like you i'm much for talking to people, getting to know them. And founders need to do that, right? They can't go there begging for money. Like you were saying, this, this, um, the, these uh, founders that have built unicorns previously, it's not about just going there to VCs begging for money. It's like, actually, is this the right partnership? Is, th is this the right fit for both of us? Yeah. No, and, and, and funny thing is, you know, I sat down with, a, with an investor in the office the other day. He came in and he told me that, you know, I saw this. Uh, I saw this demo of this uh, company yesterday, and they have a seventy percent uh, conversion rate from demo to to customer. And you know, my uh, immediate next question would be, how many demos are they doing a month? And then you know, left the meeting, and I was like, wow, I really need to meet this company, and realized that I had not even asked what they do. You know. Because it doesn't matter what they're doing is working, apparently. But yeah, it's so. like, well, product market fit is the hardest thing. And actually, I, when I met with like DWS years ago, um, you know, I was warned by one of the senior partners there. The biggest problem that you are going to have that every company has that is trying to innovate and do something new is one, getting people to a understand your product, right? Because it's new to them. Um, and second of all, you being able to understand what they actually need and finding that right and it's taken us three years to really get the right product and understand what it is that the clients actually want and need and yeah that, that's interesting in terms of the 70 percent conversion rate. that's very impressive as well very impressive i, agree. Um, I mean and, and in terms of of expert dojo um 
I know you're going to, I know you're going to say when I ask you this question, we're going to say hundreds more investments, searching for new founders, but what's the future for you guys? You know, um, we're seeing huge advancements in technology. The future of technology is very much here today. Where are you guys going next? And, you know, what is it that you're going to really like grow into? I mean, that's it. That's the billion dollar question right there, because, you know, obviously we, we, this, these are things that we're thinking about daily, but it's just, you know, keeps surrounding us whenever we come across something that we, and again, we're so flexible. So if you were, if you and I had this conversation a year ago, I would say that, you know what, we don't really do so much in this consumer product uh, CPG space, because it takes a little bit to too long um, for for our, our appetite. Now this year we've probably done ten CPG investments, so we're forever changing. And same thing, like a year ago, I would say um, we don't really do biotech. Now, how many biotech companies do we have? We've launched like three different healthcare only cohorts. So, but I mean that is something. The reason why we've done that um, is obviously because we believe that. Healthcare is going to be it's going to be some really really big healthcare companies out there. We're not getting any younger. It's just, just the betting is who who are the ones that are going to make it. And um, and then then again going back to to Africa and like if you ask me to break down what are the most like uh, what are the industries and verticals you've been looking at in in Africa mostly. It's a lot of fintech there. Nigeria is a great spot for, for fintech companies. We've done quite a lot in the healthcare space as well. Um, and one thing that is very interesting as well, going back to what we are talking about earlier, that the technology is really evolving over there, um, is everything on the, on the retail side as well. Everything has been more or less mom and pop shops um, up until now, I believe 87% or something like that. So now, you know, going over to online sales and, and marketplaces and all that's just super interesting to, to look at. It definitely is. Um, Isabel, it's been really great to have you with us today. I've really enjoyed it. And thank you very, very much for your time. And uh, yeah, look forward to seeing what you guys do next. No, thank you so much. And I appreciate the the invitation on here. And we'll, you know, uh, talk again in six months from now. And it will be interesting to see, you know, both where, where we're at on our end and, and same thing with you guys, because I think it's going to be, um, we're going to be in, an, in another situation at that time as well, in a good way. Well, let's actually, let's look, it's, it's 10th of November today, 2022. I want to be working with 50 more universities in fact let's say sorry yeah let's say 60 universities in total by the end of by the middle rather of next year so there you go I've uh, drawn the line okay let's make it happen (laughs) absolutely great to see you thank you likewise thank you